the blast from our past network. your lucky day. It is? Uh-huh. You got a plane. I have? It might just save your life. You will? Uh-huh. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. And this week on the podcast, we are covering Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome. Dean, welcome to the show. Was this your first time watching Beyond Thunderdome? This was my first time entering the Thunderdome. Um, I have two initial thoughts. One is far less Thunderdome than I was expecting. And two is far more dust than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, this is a dusty gem. It is very dusty. It rivals two for how dusty it is. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just as dusty as all the others. Yeah, it's just as dusty. And I just didn't think it would be for some reason. Thunderdome, I'm just thinking like, oh, yeah, the whole movie is going to be in this dome. Like the whole I'm just thinking the whole movie is going to be in this thing. I've heard two men enter, one man leaves. Uh, that That's going to be the entire movie. It's going to be a tournament of fighting. Mm. It was not. No, that's nothing. That's nothing. It's nothing a like it at all, really. Movie. You, you should yeah. have known dust, though, Dean. We've been covering dusty things this summer. I know. So I thought maybe it would just be dusty inside the Thunderdome. I, I also pictured like an enclosed dome. It was, I, w- I was way off on this You're one. picturing like Super Bowl, post, post-apocalyptic Super Bowl with fighters. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's not but maybe like movie. a big tournament of that. Oh, holy moly. Were you, you must have been surprised. I was super surprised. Yeah. Especially when it, when the Thunderdome comes in so early in the movie. I was like, wow, we're hitting this already. We're just going to stay in this thing the entire time. Wow. Okay, cool. Well, what did you think of Beyond Thunderdome, Dean? Oh, I liked it. I loved it, really. I, I just uh, oh, I can't hey, get enough of these I liked Mad Max it, movies. I, I liked it. I loved it. Which one? Did you like it or did you uh, like Those are two different things. Liking and loving. I know. I just want to point out those are two different things. I know. Which one is it? I loved it. You loved it? I did. I did love it. I know. I liked it better when you liked it. Oh, okay. Loved it? Eh. It's so weird. That's a I, I, just, I love it because it's so weird. It is very weird. I will give it that. Yeah, that's it. It's a really interesting movie. Yeah. And because it like completely threw me, like where I just like didn't really I didn't really expect because I was expecting the whole thing to be in the Thunderdome. And then all of a sudden halfway through the movie, it's a completely different movie. I I just like when I have to sit up and like really pay attention and like lean forward and be like, what the fuck is going on here? I get into it and it just it dragged me in. And so I I, I would say 
I would say I li- it's not like it's not like I like it any more than any of the other ones. Um, but I just I had I had a great time. There's no way I'm turning it off if it's ever on TV. I'm going to watch it. Uh, I would say that you can't possibly like this more than any of the other ones. And I would also say, uh, I yeah, I can't. I don't think anybody can. Yeah. If you can, email us. I want to know. If you like kids. Well, that's what I was going to say. They, they got the two man enter, one man leaves out of the way early so that right. they could go full on into Peter Pan in, in uh, Yeah, the I was going to say full on Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was a Saturday afternoon special for me as a kid, Dean. Makes sense. Back totally then, makes sense. I'd watch long enough to figure out if it was Beyond Thunderdome or Road Warrior. And then when I found out it was Thunderdome, well, I, I'd just turn it off, Dean. <laughs> right, okay. I'd just turn it off. <laughs> I get it. It's weird. Listen, settle down. Okay. It has sparks of genius. I, I, I'll Definitely. give it that. But Mad Max 1 was gritty as all hell. Yep. Road Warrior, I'm going to give it medium gritty. But yep. Beyond Thunderdome is severely lacking in the grit department for me. Yeah, it's very true. Somehow they turn up the dustiness, but they turn down the grittiness at the same time, which is weird. Interesting. You would think those go hand in hand. Yeah. Hard to do, almost. Hard, hard to, to do. do. Hard to accomplish. I think for me, I had a really big problem with this movie not chasing that rated R rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only entry in the franchise that isn't rated R. And... I think the flaws that come with not being rated R are very apparent in this movie. I think it needs a higher body count. I think it needed the kills to be gorier. Yeah. And I think it needed some darker toned moments. Yeah, totally. It it turns into a kid's movie. I I I I agree with that. That's why it can't touch one or two for me because it's it doesn't have it's such a weird tone for this third movie to 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 be after those first two after they were so gritty and so real uh well maybe not real but like just like dark um but also fun you know like we found the fun in those gritty moments um and then yeah this one it uh i had fun with it but i get i get as soon as it turns into peter pan in the middle how people could really check out of it yeah it was weird i didn't have a lot of fun when i was watching it when the movie ended, I said to myself, that movie sucked. I'm never oh, watching no. that movie again. Oh, no. But it stuck with me. Like, all these things about the movie sat with me. And after a couple of days, I was like, I can't stop thinking about this movie. And I don't know if it sucked or if it was really, really great. I, I couldn't yeah. tell. Um, I think that, you know, is attributed to the weirdness factor that we've mentioned but there's just something like magical about this movie that makes it very unique and like makes it what it is. And it's not for everybody, but man, there there's something very interesting. Maybe it's just the whole Mad Max world, you know, like the yeah. whole just another story in that in that world. Because I'll tell you one thing, Mad Max himself, Max Rokotansky, he is like exactly what you'd expect him to be in this movie. Yeah. He hasn't changed from one to two. You know, maybe he's changed a little bit because, you know, he's grown, his character has grown throughout this franchise, but it's not like they toned him down. He's normal. He's just thrown into this weird story. So very interesting. 
Yeah, I, I think I would have, I'd say I'd have the same reaction where it ended and I was like, you know, okay, pretty good. I liked it. But then when I had to think about it for a bit to, you know, get ready for the podcast, I had to, uh, my wife did not watch this one to me. So I explained the movie to her and like, as I'm explaining it to her, I'm just like smiling and I'm like, maybe I love it. <laughs> maybe I love this thing as I'm thinking about it more, you know, as I keep running through all the just bizarre choices that it made. And how I kind of wanted to watch that again. I wanted to see that happen again because it was just throwing me the first time and I was just trying to keep up. I want to watch it again knowing what comes. Mm. Yeah, okay. So released on July 10th, 1985 with a budget of $10 million, this film grosses $36 million. So we've done a lot of 80s movies and my thoughts are basically that if you triple your money in the 80s, that's usually fine. That's usually seen as a, a success, so I'm going to call this a right. success. Yeah. Now, some major changes were forced upon this movie when, tragically, Byron Kennedy, producer of Mad Max 1 and 2, and good friend of George Miller, died in a helicopter crash as he was scouting locations for this movie. Oh, and he okay. was only 33. Okay. Very sad story. Um, Very tragic. Yeah, I did see the dedication at the end um, yeah, exactly. for Byron. And I was wondering, I was wondering if it was someone who had worked on the movie. Yep. Now, because of that, George Miller needed help directing and brought in his friend, George Ogilvie, to co-direct. And okay. from the stuff that I read about Miller in this movie, it sounded like he was really in a daze, this entire yeah. filming process because of the accident and because of his mourning. So I don't know how much of George Miller actually made it into this movie. Hmm. Okay. Which might explain like, yeah. its, its difference to the rest of the franchise. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that would kind of explain a little bit about it. I think it's, there's definitely the weird um, atmosphere type things and character costumes and things like that, which are, uh, still going on in this one, which I love, but yeah, the the tone being a little off. I guess that could kind of that could kind of explain that. Yeah. Now, music on the first two Mad Max movies was done by Brian May, who absolutely nailed the mood of the wasteland. We talked mm, about it on yeah. the previous two episodes. This time, music is done by a Maurice Jar or Jarre, and dude. I thought the music in this movie was one of the shining points of the film. It was incredible. Yeah, I agree. Definitely stood out. Definitely um, was memorable whenever whenever it was happening. There's a lot of sort of uh, uh, there's there's like a lot of epic kind of shots, you know, just very wide, very big yeah. shots, and the music um, provided exactly what you needed for those. It was it was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it might have been tough, you know coming off of a couple movies that absolutely ruled when it came to the music department and then switching over to someone new, that always seems like it's going to be a bit of a struggle. You don't often yeah. get the same quality or better. This might've even been the best music yeah. you know, for the wasteland out of what I've heard. Yeah. Very, very cool. I thought the guy did a great job. Yeah. But characters, great characters in this movie. We mentioned Mad Max. He, he's great. Um, he, he's the same as the first two. We get Tina Turner playing a character named Auntie. 
And I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a pretty good move that they decided to go to a, a female villain in this movie. Like, I thought it was a really yeah. nice change. And I thought she did a good job. Um, I, yeah. I, I mean, I will say, I think she was missing the edge that Toe Cutter and the Humongous had. But that wasn't the character they were going for in this movie with her. No. Like, they wanted her to be softer than the other two, more sympathetic. And they got that. And I thought it really worked. For, for what they were going for, I think it worked. Yeah, I, I loved her. I thought she was great. I She lacks the um, insanity of those two. She lacks... Um, yeah, I guess the viciousness of those two, but it's because she's running a town, you know, like it, it's now those two are just sort of like running gangs that are just kind of roaming. She's like a, she's like kind of the mayor of a town, you know, she's like got to make sure everything's working, but also she's got to be kind of dirty. You know, she's got to be like doing deals under the table, you know, running things her own way, but it has to appear to everyone that she is, you know, running it in the interest of everyone else. I think she did an excellent job of that where I, I liked her and I was on her side when I was supposed to be. And then I didn't like her and viewed her as a villain when I was supposed to do that. So I, I just think, yeah, I think she really kind of crushed it in this movie. Yeah. I actually never considered until you just said that, that she is more of like a, a mayor character. Yeah. Um, and yeah, needing to play more than one side and not just being like black or white, but she was a gray character where the you know, sure. toe cutter and humongous, they were, they were black. They were black. So yeah, uh, I like that even more. I think it worked even better now after chatting about that. Cool. Uh, the pilot Dean, I love the pilot. Loved him. Pilot's great. Loved him. in when we saw him before this time, they add a child with him. And dude, yeah. this child, for me, had the potential to be the best part of this movie, but he wasn't in it enough. Yeah, he's barely in it. I don't even really remember him that much because he's barely in it. But uh, yeah, what I remember, he's good. The the, the whole duel of the pilot and the child. Um, yeah, they did. They didn't do nearly enough with that. I also think they missed out on a huge opportunity in this movie with those two that I'll touch on a bit later. I think they really they really missed out on something. I do think it's very weird that they were they're such a big part of the opening of the movie and then they are just gone. I did remember thinking like at least 45 minutes in, oh, I guess they they're just gone from this movie. Like that's it. They're done. And I did think that was weird. I think they wanted those two to kind of like they wanted us to forget about them and they wanted yeah. it to sort of be like a surprise again at the end that oh yeah, don't forget there's these two who can help, but I didn't forget about them. Like it didn't it was, work. It was yeah. never out of my mind because the pilot is essentially like the most powerful person in the movie because he has the power of flight. So I'm not going to yeah. forget about like the coolest guy, coolest, most powerful guy in the movie. So it didn't, it didn't work at all. Yeah. It's weird because I, I do love that. I do love in movies when you're supposed to, the like minute the audience forgets about something, that's when you bring it back. That's the perfect time because then they'll just be like, ah, you know, it'll, it'll shock them so much. And that it, it didn't, it didn't succeed at all here. Like they, they do that in this movie and I, it didn't blow me away. I wasn't like, oh yeah, awesome. It, 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 I think it's because I never forgot about, about him. Like you're saying, like, I just never forgot about that pilot. I knew he was around. I just knew that they weren't using him. Like he just wasn't in the movie anymore. Master Blaster really cool idea for a character in general. I love it. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a huge fan of this idea of like something small and yeah. weak controlling something large and powerful. It's uh, such a toy. It's such a toy we would have loved, Tim. Where, hell yeah. Yeah, where there's a big part of it and a small part of it and you like put the have to put them together it's we love that kind of thing oh we love it i had this game or i still have it uh it's called mace the dark age for the nintendo 64 i don't know if you've ever played that before uh it's like a fighting game kind of soul caliber so okay no no definitely not very very cool game especially back when it came out in like 90 i think 95 or 6 somewhere around there yeah it had an unlockable character named war mech and the idea behind this character was that he was in the 12th century. He was a dwarf named Gar Gunderson, and he was a master craftsman who crafted a steam-powered suit made out of, like, beer barrels, and he would pilot it. It was like the, the main area that he would sit in was a giant beer barrel. His legs were beer barrels. His arms were beer barrels connected by, like, pieces of metal. And then yeah. anytime he moved, like steam would be released and he oh, like so pounded you with smaller beer barrels. It was a, such a cool character and cool totally. design. And I always loved yeah. that, that type of idea. Um, it definitely, you know, was borrowed from this exact same type of idea here with master blaster, yeah. but yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, master blaster, he's, you've got master who's a genius, but he's very tiny. And then yeah. you have blaster who's huge and huge. like so powerful, but he has the mind of a child. And I just think it's such a great idea for like this wasteland world that we see in the movie, because those two as individuals in this world, they would have most likely been like exploited and killed for their yeah. weaknesses. But True. they create like this symbiotic relationship um, out of necessity because they they need each other and that not only allowed them to survive in the world but it allowed them to excel in the world yeah great point i love that they're so feared in this world and if they were separate they would not have made it to movie three they would not have made it very far they teamed up and now they, yeah, now they're excelling. I love that. I never really thought about that. That's a great point. I, I also love that they're like, they are a team. Like, they're together. You know, they have this sort of rig that where, like, Master is sitting on the back of Blaster and just, like, telling him what to do and directing him. And it's like, they are, I guess Auntie Entity kind of explains it. They are one. Like, yeah. they are one person, Master Blaster. They do everything together. And, uh, yeah, it's they're they're so... They're so powerful in this world that something needs to be done about them because they have too much power. It's it's really cool. Yeah, very cool idea. And I just really think it worked well because of this wasteland that they're yeah, in. Totally. That, that's why yeah. it works so well for me. Very, very cool character. Yeah. And that's the stuff that I love about like these these uh, Mad Max movies is that you can just there's just a character there. They don't tell you anything about the character. Like they don't tell you why they got together. Um, and then we can just sit here and talk and you can come up with that. They would be so weak on their own. So they teamed up and they're so strong. Like I just love being able to dig into his worlds. There's so there's so much going on. Yeah, true. So we start off with the credits and a Tina Turner song, Dean, uh, which absolutely did not get me in the mood for the wasteland it was so weird like okay so first of all loved the song the song was great 
but it was it felt like I was going to be watching like eh, I don't know not yeah not a waste I was movie. thinking like, like Bloodsport 2 yeah I, I was actually I was like like an 80s action movie for sure but a bad but one yeah 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 sort of a bad one it, it got me in that mood when it was supposed to like, we were like, we were about to enter the wasteland we were about to enter a desert and it's not the right tone that was set the song was great wrong tone um i was not a fan of the song dean yeah i, I like the song okay tina turner's great i'm not a fan of tina turner uh her music i think she's a better actress than uh, a, a songstress wow yeah i mean she was a great actress so hot take yeah exactly yeah. she was very very good in this movie yeah so not a great start for me dean but at least they rifled through their credits really quick like it was just like sure boom, boom, boom 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 done yeah. And then we got right to the wasteland, so I, I immediately felt yeah. better. Yeah. We see the pilot. Uh, his name is Jedediah, and he's in a new and improved flying machine. We also see that he's got this kid with him who also mm-hmm. knows how to, f- how to fly the plane. Yeah, true. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a seven or eight-year-old, and he can fly as well. Yeah. yeah cool. I loved it. Very cool. And he's like a kamikaze, too. He seemed like he seemed wild. He just seemed wild. He did. He did seem wild, and that's why I didn't think he'd be able to fly the plane, and then he was flying the plane. So, yeah, there's a lot more to that kid than uh, what meets the eye. I mean, I, I, I can see where it came from, and, like, you and I, we were both huge fans of Feral Boy and the Road Warrior, right? Oh, and yeah. I think this is, like, the way that they infused Feral Boy back into this movie without him being totally. a part of Mad Max. It's that the yeah. pilot has this kid who's just, like maybe a little bit feral, but also knows how yeah. to fly the flying machine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. I liked it. So the pilot and the son steal a caravan of camels from someone in disguise who we learn is Mad Max. Now, Dean, I wanted to check in with you. What did you think of this? Like this beginning where the pilot steals the camels and then we learn it was from Mad Max. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan because of how we left last movie. Like, I like the pilot. You know, it's a familiar face from the last movie. And I don't really remember all the things he did, but I feel like he was fighting on the right side. You know, I feel like he was fighting on Mad Max's side. I think he took off towards the end of the movie. He flew off. Um, But I think he actually, I think he came back to help. Like, I think he was on the right side, right? So I see a familiar face. I see like what I think is a hero of this movie. And they're robbing a caravan. So I'm with them. You know, I'm on their side. I'm like, yeah, get the caravan. So it was cool to then see that that was actually Max. Um, and I had to flip my I had to flip my perspective on things and, and be like, oh, okay, no, now I want him to get his stuff back because that's Max. So I like how it played with me that way. It really, for me, it was a great start to the movie. I, I don't I'm not, I don't know. I don't know about this one because I, I really liked their relationship in the, previous movie now yeah I'm, I'm with you i mean we haven't i haven't watched that in a year i remember the pilot setting up a trap trying to trap max in that movie yep. and max escapes and then kind of he's like dragging the pilot around by a chain uh, making him you know do what he wants uh and then yeah the pilot like eventually helps out but i i, I liked the dynamic in that movie of like they don't actually like each other They're just getting kind of caught up in the other person's story. So for that reason, 
I actually would have liked it better if he knew it was Mad Max that he was stealing from. And he actually stole from Mad Max at the beginning. So my only problem here is the disguise. Um, I would have so, I would have liked to have the pilot straight up rip off Mad Max of f- for this caravan of camels. Yeah. So, Tim, I think the disguise might just be for us because I feel like he knows. Oh, you I think, think so? He knows. Yeah, because later on, he just sees Max and freaks out like he's going to get caught. Well, like, no, I but he, he saw Max in Bartertown, though. That's what I'm saying. Like he, when he sees him there. Oh, that's that's he, what you're like, talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. When he sees him in Bartertown, I, I feel like he knows that he robbed him and that he's there and that he's kind okay. of found where he is. All right. So if... I thought the disguise was more just for us and that he was he was going after Max because of that thing where they're yeah they were they were helping each other. I think it tells me a lot about the world, you know, where they were helping each other out last movie because they had to. They were both caught in a situation where they needed each other to get out of it. But now they're back to enemies. Okay, then speaking as an audience member, the disguise didn't work for me because it would have been right. more impactful if I had seen him stealing from Mad Max right, rather than right at the beginning. stealing yeah, from a yeah. disguised person who turns out to be Mad yeah, that's Max. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so Max walks into Barter Town where he knows his camels will be taken. Mm-hmm. And I like Barter Town. I thought Barter Town was a really cool place. I think it makes sense in this world that there would be an outpost like this where people buy, sell, and trade goods. Yep, for sure. Makes me wonder, Dean, if guys like the Lord Humongous would rob a place like this, or if this is something that's considered off-limits. What do you think? That's a great question, Tim. I I don't think he would. Why? I think it... I don't know. (laughs) I, I feel like there's power in Barter Town. Um... Not by the people that visit it, but by the people that run it. Like, I feel like it might be feared to go there and rip it off. Like, it, it might be just known that you don't try that because then there's trouble. Um, that's at least the the feeling I got from the whole town, that robbing it would not be an option. Yeah, that's where I got to. I, I yeah. had a long think about it, and I'm like, mm, I think that like even Humongous, as powerful as he was, he would get overpowered by Barter Town. I, I feel like so. I feel like not only just that Barter Town has has warriors, but even the people who are just there trading would side with Barter Town and yeah. go against Humongous. And then the numbers would be like, you know, Humongous has maybe ten or fifteen percent of the men, you know, men and women that Barter Town has. So it's just not worth it. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting thought. Anyways, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can like I can see. I can see Toe Cutter, I can see Lord Humongous visiting these places, but just doing business, you know, just that's where they are actually um, legit. You know, they go in, they do their business, they get out and they go rob someone else. But also like... Easier targets. Yeah, but for how like wild some of those characters are, I I know. I wonder if they might even just consider trying it because their egos yeah. are so huge. That would be a great movie. I would love to see... A movie like that where maybe Mad Max isn't even the main character. He's just like yeah. kind of caught in the crossfire. Uh, something like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I I think what they present with Barter Town is the strength behind it. So it would be cool to see another one of these just wild characters that we've seen before try to go up against that. Yeah, I'd love to see the humongous yeah. fight uh, Master Blaster in uh, hell yeah. the Thunderdome. In the Thunderdome. That'd the Thunderdome. A great fucking battle. Yeah, we'll get to the Thunderdome 
It was weird. You got some thoughts on the Thunderdome, I can see. Yeah, it was yeah, weird. So do I. I got, but some, then, I got some thoughts on that, too. But then great, but also weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you, exactly what you're talking about. It's not what I was expecting. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're close. Okay. We're, we're <laughs> so close. Don't worry. We're so close to the Thunderdome. We're so close. It's so early in the movie. It's so it's early. It's so weird. <laughs> this movie's weird. I feel like they just wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah. Why did I think the entire movie was the Thunderdome? I don't know why I thought why that. Why wouldn't but... you? Why wouldn't I? Don't I don't know. Why would... It's in the title. Thund... I guess it's called Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, it's I Beyond. Guess, it's yeah. after I guess the if it was called Thunderdome, maybe then... Yeah. It's This is actually called Beyond. So it's like... Yeah. We're getting Thunderdome out of the way. Then we're going beyond. Then we're going to see what else there is. Yeah. 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 And what else there is, is children. Children. Lost Boys. Peter Pan. <laughs> Now, Dean, to get into Bartertown, you must have something to trade. I thought that was a cool idea, cool concept. Totally. You're not even yeah. allowed in if you can't ha- if you can't trade something. Because why would you be there? That's what it's all about. Yeah. Now, Max, who has showed up there, he has nothing to trade. So they don't want to let him in, but he says he's good for it. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a good soldier. So they take yeah. him to Auntie Entity, where Max proceeds to kill all of her guards and she likes what she sees. She likes this guy, Max. Yeah. They, the whole plan was to bring him up there and see if he has the skills that they require him for. So all the guards attacked him and that was the plan. The plan was to attack him and he just handled them, handled them easily. Easily. So that was passing the test. That was passing the, like basically the interview. Yeah. Auntie says, if Max would kill someone for her, she'd equip him with everything he needs. A car, weapons, gasoline, whatever. Whatever he wants. So Max agrees. That's a tough deal to turn down. For sure, yeah. We meet Blaster Master now, the ruler of the Underworld. And the Underworld is a place where Master has figured out how to turn pig shit into electricity by converting the methane. And because he controls Underworld, he controls Bartertown. And this isn't sitting well with Auntie, so she wants Blaster killed, so Master will be exposed. So yeah, she wants to it. she wants to kill the brawn, yeah. leave the brain, and then they can manipulate the brain to their whatever they exactly. want to do with it. Whatever they want to do. They need his brains still because he figured this out he figured out how to get this electricity they need that but he's got all the power because he actually has the strength yeah. so yeah they want to get the strength out of the way so then now they can do whatever they want with his brains yeah now according to the laws of barter town max must kill blaster in a fair fight which i yeah. like very cool very sure. honorable yeah so Max picks a fight with them because they're driving around in his car. I thought that was, yeah. a, that was a really funny touch. It was, yeah. And since there's a dispute about this, like it is, his, he's saying, this is my car. I want it back. And they're saying, yeah. whatever, it's our car. Because there's a dispute, they must follow the law and enter Thunderdome. And Dean, just like our podcast where two men enter and one man leaves. Right. They got to go in. And do it. They got to throw down. They got to go in and do it. And only one can come out alive. That's just, it's the rules. That's what happens every week here on the podcast. Yeah. One of us leaves. And one of us doesn't. 
one of us stays? Yeah, one of us stays. One of us stays. One of us stays in the studio all week, suffering (laughs) until the next episode. It's so hot these days. It's so hot. So hot. (laughs) I love this line from Master. He says, uh, Master Blaster is fine with this. He says, 20 men enter and Blaster leaves. Love it. He's very confident with Blaster. He's very, very, very confident. He likes this outcome. He's fine with uh, entering the Thunderdome. There's no way Blaster could ever lose. He laughed at Max. He's laughing at him. He's laughing at him. He thinks Max a damn fool. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. Blaster, I don't think we've got this across. Blaster's huge. He's huge. He's a huge man. He's like 13 feet tall. Yes. Yeah, he's 13 feet tall. And he's he's weighs four hundred and fifty pounds of muscle. He looks like he swallowed a man who is like six five, three hundred pounds. He looked like he swallowed him. Yeah. He just he ate swallowed, him and yeah, swallowed he ate him. him. Yeah. And now he's now he's that his his own man and that man. Yeah. Add them all together. And the other men he ate along the way. And the other men he ate. Yeah, he is twenty men. He probably ate twenty men. I like the production behind Thunderdome. What did you think? I like I really, yeah, so I was expecting just a giant dome. Yeah. And I was, at, honestly, I was kind of expecting, like, car shit to go on in the dome. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that's how big I thought it was. I thought it would be, like, car versus car. That sounds cool. <laughs> in the dome. Yeah. So when it was smaller, I was just, like, adjusting my perspective and, you know, figuring it all out. I really liked that it was kind of this cage that people would then climb to watch. Like, that's where yeah. I really got into it, where... Yeah, it's like, because everyone wants to see what's going on in the dome. It's like a cage match, you know? It's like a a wrestling cage match, except the audience can climb the cage. They can climb up it, and they're just watching from from the dome, from the cage. I I really enjoyed it. I felt myself uh, really excited to watch the the fight that was going to come. I got a tiny Running Man vibe from it. Like how much they pump up the production of the show. Yeah, definitely. I felt like they were doing a bit of that. Uh, yeah, they had cool. like an intro. They had like an introduction guy, yeah, like they pumping guy. it up, and that yeah, for sure. They had a Thunderdome guy. They had a Thunderdome guy. Yeah, he was making us all be like, yeah, death, kill, let's go. He he reminded me a bit of a vampire, but I don't know. Ooh, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. He could have been. He could have. He could have been. We don't even know. That seems like something a vampire might just do if they were bored yeah. with being alive for thousands of years. They might take the job of like Thunderdome announcer. For sure, yeah. Keep it, keep things exciting. Yeah, yeah. I just, I like that they took this all very seriously. Um, Yep. Not only in the production, but with the respect um, to what it all represents. Like, it's, it's kind of like the law, right? They don't have a lot of law in Barter Town, but this is the law, so so it needs to be respected. And I felt like they did a good job of of showing that. Yeah, I actually liked it a lot um, because they mentioned the wars. You know, they mentioned warring nations um, and like that's what ruined the world. This is how we deal with disputes now. You have a dispute. The two people that are part of the dispute work it out themselves, but one of them dies. You know, that's if, if it's if it's a physical thing, that's what happens. And then it's over because then the dispute's over and you can continue on and everyone's still alive except for that one person. I did. Uh, yeah, I, I liked their logic behind this is the law. This is how we deal with it. And this is how we still have kept society going by having this right here. Yep. Yep. Same. Same. Now, uh, I think what we were alluding to before uh, we're at now. So two men enter and two men are strapped to bungee harnesses. Yeah. 
acrobatics. Uh, what did you think of this? They're they're flying around. I, they're flying all over the place on on bungee cords. I was shocked. Um, so okay, here's my here's my thought process. They put weapons up near the top of the cage. So there's weapons up there that they can get. And I was like, okay, so they're going to have to climb the cage to get those. That's fun. But then they start strapping bungees on them. So then I was thinking, okay, that also kind of makes sense that you use the bungees to get up to the weapons. Great. But I thought you'd be able to just move normally without the bungees. That is not the case. They just like, to start the fight, they both pull them back like it's (laughs) like a slingshot. And then just, they let them go. So they're flying at each other in the air. Definitely not what I was expecting, Tim. I was not expecting this acrobatic yeah. act to happen as the Thunderdome. It really, uh, it made me laugh, took me out of the intensity that they had been building up. Right. Um, I was, once the fight got going, it got a little better because they were able to utilize sort of walking on the ground, using it to jump up and do other things. But when it started and it was just chaos with them flying around, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. It was ridiculous. Um. <laughs> It was like kind of a little bit cool just visually watching them fly around. But oh, yeah. Dude, like like Max was doing some crazy shit on that bungee. And I was like, is that actually Mel Gibson doing that? It kind of looks like it. Well, it looked great because you could tell like the people on bungee, they were not circus performers. They were like extras or stunt doubles trying to learn the bungee. So yeah, I doing like, cool stuff. But I feel like a lot of the time they nearly severely injured themselves it was like very close yeah. to an injury so it, it looked sure. it looked great it but looked real i had a, i would have preferred a more straight up fight when i think of something like this like a one-on-one battle like this i think to escape from new york uh and the like the the fight that kurt russell had with that giant bald-headed guy with like a bat yep. with spikes in it that yep. i would i wanted something like that like a much more serious fight um the stakes feel higher uh in the escape from new york fight than than they do here you're right like when you said you see them flying around it kind of takes you out of what they've tried to establish already so yeah this is some of what i'm talking about like if this was done differently if this was grittier if this was a one-on-one battle with like weapons and people were getting you know injured it would have worked better for me but the goofiness of it, it didn't fit cool no and it's cool but it didn't fit yeah exactly i think the bungee the only reason for them is to get the weapons that are like going to be up at the top of the cage i would just much prefer them to just fight on the ground and then if they have enough time if they've knocked the person out they can climb the cage get a weapon climb down and use it like i think i like the idea of the weapons being up there i just hate the idea of the bungees to get to it not even to get to it but just to start off with the bungees like, so that you have to fight with the bungees on. Like, even if they're just available in the corner and you can use, you can hook up and use that to get to a weapon. Then you get down, you hook yourself off the bungees and fight. Yeah. Would have even been better. Yeah. I agree. So Blaster is beating the shit out of Max because Blaster is a giant man and he's wearing a giant armored helmet, which we haven't really touched on, but he's just allowed yeah, to wear not that fair. all the time. Not yeah. fair. <laughs> not fair. But Max has learned that Blaster can't take high-pitched noises, and Max uses a whistle to bring Blaster down. Yeah. He knocks his helmet off. He's about to kill him, but he sees that Blaster is just a teenage boy with a genetic disorder, so he refuses to kill him. Then Auntie just kills him anyways, 
Like, yeah, true. Her men just kill him. Yeah. Now, this was a very uncomfortable kill in the movie. This yep. was like, I, I never like seeing this. I've seen this a handful of times. It's weird for both who they're killing mm-hmm. and how bad and weird the special effects looked. Did you notice the special effects when you were watching this? I didn't. I didn't take note of them. It's very weird. What, it's, it's what like, was happening? Yeah. It's like they have a fake... Okay, so so the camera is placed looking towards Blaster, who's lying on the ground. You can see yeah. his large chest and his head just past the chest. Right. The head is of the actor, and the body is fake. So that they can actually okay. pump arrows into it because right. you see arrows right. flying in. And yeah. just the angle and like how ha- th- the chest looked far too big for the head. It, the the ratio yeah. wasn't correct. And then seeing these arrows just fly into this body. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it was weird. It looked weird. Yeah. And then, yeah, the whole idea that they're killing someone with like someone who's, you know, handicapped. It was very strange, very uncomfortable, yeah. but. Uh, I don't know. Like my question here is why are they just allowed to kill blaster? Like if, if that was the case, if they're, if they can just kill him, why didn't they just kill him earlier? I don't know. Is it, is it because they're in the Thunderdome and, and, uh, like, uh, Max won't do it. So they're allowed to, I don't know. It feels like they're doing something wrong. Like that's it. And it feels like that to everybody else. Like it, 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 I think the movie is presenting it to me that they aren't allowed to do that, but they did. Yeah. It seems like that's not what you're allowed to do. And I'm I'm wondering why people aren't mad at her for doing that. I know. They all seem to respect the rules. And this is a, seems to be against the rules. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say they chant the rules all the time. Like I know. People I know. chant things all the time. It's like they re- they respect it. This is what they've lived by. And then all of a sudden, she's just allowed to kill whoever she wants that's in that dome. It doesn't really make any sense. Right. So if the, if the rule is two men enter, one man leaves, and that can be achieved by whatever means necessary, even if someone right, else yeah. has to step in, then my confusion is now that it's done and this this other person has been killed max isn't allowed to leave yeah he's being punished for like breaking the rule of two men enter one man leaves yeah so i don't know like i don't i don't get it like yeah i don't know it just seems a bit confusing so i guess so i guess because so two men enter one man leave cuz so what ha- he he left though he left Two men, two men did enter, and one man did leave. So why? But yeah, but he, he did not kill his opponent, which I guess he's supposed to do. So then, they. So he broke the rules. So already he broke the rules. So they kill the person who's the weakest, the one that should be should have been killed. They kill that person because that's the rules. Two men enter, one man leave, and then they punish the person who didn't abide by the rules. Yeah, I just don't remember hearing that in the chant. It wasn't, yeah. I just remember, it, two men enter, one man leaves, which is technically what happened. Two men entered, one man yeah. left, but only Max was the one who got in trouble. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't part of the chant. The chant was also, "You break the deal, you face the wheel." So they did a couple of chants. Oh, they, yeah, they made up a new really chant. Ex- yeah, <laughs> they made up a new chant for right. us. 
Um, yeah, none of them really explain, though. It just seemed a bit weird that, like... Yeah, I know. I feel like Auntie, at any time, could have just killed Blaster if she wanted to. I know, right? That's, that's like, the vibe yeah, I, I got I would, yeah. from all this. I was thrown off. Because I, I feel like the crowd was turning on her. I think she they, they were turning on her because Max was sort of exposing that he was hired to do this. So... The crowd is turning on her for not being fair, but then that's where she just turned it back on Max and says, he broke our deal. If you break the deal, you face the wheel. Everything, uh, everything's a chant in this world, which I kind of like. And I was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was excited to see what break the deal, face the wheel was, but I was also, it feels like we were just moving on from that because that part was a little bit confusing and, you know, the the law there didn't really make sense. Yeah, it's fine though. We're obviously looking too deep into this, but I thought it'd be fun just to, to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to bring up because, like, why? Why was she just allowed to shoot him? Uh, I don't know. And then everybody turned back on Max when he broke, when they found out that he broke the deal. So maybe it's just another thing in their law where they're like, oh, he broke another law. We're on, we're, we got to keep these laws. It is cool. He did sort of like break the rules. Like, he was supposed yeah. to kill Blaster. That was yeah. what, what was supposed to happen. So he doesn't do it. So he does go and face the fate of the wheel. And it is a physical wheel that they just spin. Hell yes. Whatever it lands on, that's his fate. And there are all sorts of punishments on this wheel from losing your goods. That would have been a great one for him to land on. Yeah. He has nothing. Got nothing. Hard labor. Acquittal. That would have been great. The underworld. Death. Auntie's choice. Auntie's choice. And even a spin again, Dean. <laughs> what a Tim, gr- that's so fun that there's a spin again slot. The spin again is my favorite. And it's my favorite because because, because the it's spinning fun. again doesn't actually matter. You know, it's like it's like you just landed on something where you have to spin again. You don't like gain when does an extra. Spin again ever matter. It's always <laughs> yeah. just like you well, just wasted the spin. It's just now just yes. do everything again. Yes, so spin again matters in like (laughs) Wheel of Fortune when you get to pick it up and collect it, right? And then you can use it at a later time. But whenever it's just spin again on a wheel, it doesn't really matter. You're thinking of free spin, Dean. You're thinking of free spin. (laughs) Right, right. Spin Spin again again just means you spin again. Can you imagine spinning that wheel that is your fate with things like death on there, (laughs) things like auntie's choice, and then you spin on spin again and you got to go through the whole fucking thing again. You know what, dude? They seriously missed out on an opportunity to make this really funny and have him land yeah. on spin again. That really should have happened. I can't believe happened. they didn't. That yeah, really I can't believe happened. they didn't land on spin again with it there, with it on the wheel. I loved the spin again. That so good. N- never would have worked in Mad Max 1 or 2, but that 100% would have worked in this movie. It would have worked. It would have worked here for sure. So they spin the wheel, Dean, and they find out what Max's punishment is going to be, and it lands on Gulag, which means they strap Max to a horse, they put a giant full-headed mask on him, they slap the horse's ass, and send it out in the desert to die. Now this, Yeah, sucks. This uh, Probably better than going to the underworld, though. I know. I feel like it wasn't even really that bad. (laughs) It was one of the good ones. It turned out not to be that bad. It turned out to be like almost like acquittal. Basically, yeah. Basically, it's basically like delayed acquittal. Yeah, <laughs> but the horse walks until it collapses. Yeah, and Max is stuck in the desert there. But one of the prisoners of Underworld sends out a monkey 
with a water bottle. Get the hell out of here. No, Tim. No, Tim. No, no, no. This is all good. Get out of here. How is... No, listen. No, you listen. How... How... Dean, how is a monkey going to make it farther than a horse did? Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, he has water. He has some water. Um, (laughs) That I understand. That I understand that it's like, how could the monkey get further than the horse? That I don't know. Except that he has water, so maybe he can drink it. But... That monkey is Max's monkey. And he are, he already gave him things at the beginning of the movie. When he was being robbed off his truck, the monkey was throwing things off the back so that Max could actually make it to Barter Town. He's throwing him boots. He was throwing him stuff. So Max put on the boots. He put on... So that monkey knows how to help him. Like, that monkey's good to help him. So giving him the water, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You're right, though. How the hell did he make it further? My, my beef is, how does a monkey, yeah. a tiny little yeah. monkey who takes tiny little steps... Make it yeah, further yeah. than a full-size horse who yeah. walks until it collapses dead. Yeah, I don't know. That was my that was my beef. Anyways, the, it, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Maybe Listen. more muscles. The horse has more muscles, and maybe that's worse. Uh, they need he needs more water, and the monkey's tiny. He needs less less water. I'm pretty sure the horse could get farther than a little monkey. <laughs> it's fine though. The monkey is able to find Max and give him the water. Max drinks yeah. it. He starts heading back but eventually collapses from exhaustion. And a weird costumed figure comes across Max and drags him back to her camp. And the person who found him is called Savannah Nix. She's only a teenager and takes Max back to a camp full of kids. Now, they started to lose me here a little bit with this, this group of kids. Uh, this wasn't really what I was looking for out of my Mad Max movies. Yeah, for but, sure. But what did you think, Dean? What did you think at this moment where we're just thrown into this camp of kids who they're basically like living, you know, in this wasteland, but they've found this little little oasis where there's a whole bunch of them, maybe ranging from like 15 years old down to like six. And they've just, yeah. it's a community. It's a community. Um, I definitely got the Peter Pan uh, vibes from it. Uh, I don't. I don't mind like movies with lots of kids. I don't mind this idea in a movie. I was totally thrown because this was not what I was expecting in the Mad Max movie. Same with you. This is just like a totally different vibe than I, what I was thinking. So it threw me at first. I was like, hmm, okay, I'm not sure I like it. When I started to like it was when I when they started to tell the story of why they were there, of how they got there. That roped me right back in because then I was like, this is just intense world building where like we followed Max this whole time since the world like collapsed and went into this wasteland. But what about someone where something happened to them right when it happened, right when the world collapsed? They don't even know what the rest of the world is like right now. They just had their own little like trauma that happened right before it. Um, so I thought that this was really neat. I thought it was it, I thought it was a big time world world building moment in the movie. Yeah, it was a. It was a big world building for sure. Yeah, I just yeah, it caught me a bit off guard. It felt like two different movies kind of being stitched together in the middle. Yeah, um, it definitely. I I thought we were going to be Thunderdoming the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought they did a great job with these children and their broken English. I really oh, enjoyed so listening to them talk. Yeah. Uh, this is a line from Savannah Nix. She says, "This ain't one buddy's story. It's the story of us all." We got it mouth to mouth, so you got to listen it. 
and member because what you hear is today, you got to tell the birth tomorrow. It was very, yeah. I love when they can like create a certain type of like language. Like, this isn't really a language, yeah. but like a, a certain type of language in a movie or a show where it's pretty different, but you can understand it. Like you exactly understand what they're getting across. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. I loved it. I like you have to listen it. That type of thing is just like it's so close to what we say. And it's just like also so far, <laughs> but we yeah. understand it. But it also sounds like it's, it's yeah, it's good. We don't it's we know it's not the right words, but we also ex understand exactly what she's saying. Uh, I was with you. I really loved when the kids were talking, when they were talking to Max, when they're talking to each other and just trying to understand exactly what they were saying. It was it was it was a good part. Yeah, it was well done is what I would say. It was well they, done, yeah. They put a yeah. lot of effort into these children and their, their speech. Um, and it, it came across well, like it worked. Yeah, you got you got to say why the kids are here, though, because this is this is fantastic. It's fantastic. And I'm, of course, I'm going to. The, the kids yeah. are calling Max Captain Walker or right. they have Australian accent. So it's Captain Walker. It's Walker. Walker. Ca are you Captain Walker? No, that was a terrible. You nailed it, Tim. They think Max is their savior. They tell Max the story about Captain Walker, the one who's <laughs> supposed to fly them all to a better place. Yeah. Far away from tomorrow, the Tomorrow, morrow world? Tomorrow, morrow world. Sounds a lot like Never Never Land. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking more of Tomorrowland, which is a place in Disney World. But <laughs> Tomorrow, morrow world does sound like Never Never That's Land. That's why I got the Peter Pan vibe from it. Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dean, these kids have a view master and everything they believe is based on a one wheel slide that they have for this view master. Yes. Which is hilarious. It's so good. It's all they have. That's all. That's their history is a, is a view that's master. What, is a view master. That's all they know about the history of the world. So every little they click the button, it hits the new slide. I mean, yes. I don't know what that view master is of. Like, what is that? If you were to purchase that Viewmaster slide, what would what would the name of it be? Oh, yeah. Good question. Because um, normally it's like you, know. you get like a Disney movie on the Viewmaster or like Yeah, animals, I know. Yeah. What, like would pack jungle what would the pack animals? be? What would the pack be called? So what was in there? There was like New York City was, was like in there. like a city. Yeah, yeah. There was like, I feel like there's people, some some pictures of people. Yeah, I know. What would that pack be? Tourism. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe, maybe the tourism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The world before the apocalypse, maybe, is what the... Yeah, what or what was. did they call it? Uh, Apocopolis? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. They had a good name for it. <laughs> nice. Uh, if I didn't touch on how they got here, why don't you go and let us know your thoughts on that? Yes, so what I love about it is that... So they tell this story to Max, because Max has no idea. They're calling him Captain Walker, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why he's Captain Walker. And so then they start telling us the story of how they got there. And they were all on a plane. They were all on a flight, a bunch of kids. Like, I guess there was, there was adults too, but like a bunch of these kids were on a flight and the plane crashed and the plane crashed here. And the, the pilot who is Captain Walker told them, I guess he survived. He told them to stay put, stay put here. He's going to go get help. But they crashed in like the desert. So he was going to go get help and he was going to come back and take them to tomorrow morrow world or whatever he was going to take them home 
and he left and died obviously in in the in the wasteland they don't even know that the world has gone to shit their plane just crashed here and they were just told to hang out here by the captain right and then the world went to shit so no one found them ever because no one cared about a crashed plane after the apocalypse and so they've just been stuck here they don't know the world is nothing but they're in the desert so they can't go anywhere they've tried to venture out and they have to come back because they don't have enough water they can't get anywhere uh so they think that Max here is Captain Walker who has returned because they've only told this story to each other, right? Who knows how long they've been here. They're probably much older now than they were when they crashed. I love it. I love that there's just these kids that crashed on a plane and don't even know what's going on. Yeah, they they also just happen to have like a cave painting that looks just like Mel Gibson. <laughs> it looks cave. exactly like I don't, I don't like know who him. painted that, but it looks just Captain like Captain Walker, him. the paint the cave painting of Captain Walker looks exactly like Mel exactly, Gibson. Exactly. Exactly like him. Yeah, so they take Max to a jumbo jet that landed in the desert. That's their jumbo jet. That's their jet that crashed, yeah. Now, at this point, Dean, I think, okay, this is actually pretty cool. Because we know yeah. someone in this movie who can fly planes. Totally. Let's have a big end sequence with them trying to get this jet off the ground. Yeah. I think this was a major missed opportunity in the movie. I would agree with that. Um, I feel like they even set it up for us to think this. Yeah. We know the pilot. Okay. We know that Barter Town is close to these kids. Like, we don't know quite yet, but in a few minutes, we'll know that Barter Town is not very far from these kids. We know Barter Town has all the resources you'd ever need. Right? Yeah. I'm wanting them to steal resources from barter town to power up this plane and to yeah. fly them off that's what this movie needed why would totally. you put and a jump why would you just show us a jumbo jet in the middle of the yeah. desert why go to all that effort to put that plane there and not use they don't use it at all it's only for one shot where they're like this is the plane we landed yeah. in that's it dude come on it could have been so yeah. great if they're if the final scene is them like racing against Barter Town, trying to fuel up this plane, trying to power it with electricity. The pilot and the kid, um, trying to fly it. Everybody like loading up in the plane and them trying to take off in this plane. Oh man, they they totally they blew it in my opinion. The plane is totally wasted um, because this they have this big scene that's leading up to this of them on the plane and it's like yeah i believed your story like i i believe that you crashed in a plane i didn't need to see it so to not use it at all is totally wasted i don't know why it's there at all then why he, they went and showed him it um and he would have been able to help them right like they wouldn't have been able to ever get this plane off the ground unless max came because he knows barter town has the resources he knows where there's a pilot he can get that pilot they can all go crazy thinking that this is now captain walker right everyone can now worship the pilot because thinking he's captain walker coming back it would have been great it would have been it would have been excellent i like the pilot actually being captain walker like that would have been uh, yeah even been even actually being him would be amazing yeah. that would have like that's what yeah. i want like he he leaves yeah. the plane he goes and he's trying to get back to the kids but he gets like trapped in the wasteland like he gets yeah stuck in what it is and all he's trying yeah. to do is to get back to the kids look they even teamed him up with a new kid in this movie yeah he, it's right there fine it's all right there and they couldn't get it they couldn't get it 
it's such a better movie because honestly the like end of the movie is what is kind of forgettable about it like the end of the movie is like from here on out is what i don't like as much as i've liked up to this point so that would have that change would have been great yeah that's what i needed out of this movie yeah totally uh so max here he's found this like oasis of children and he decides he wants to stay here forever and live happily yeah. ever after this is this is just what he wants. This seems great. He's to had him. a rough go. He's had a rough he go. He has it. had a rough go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Savannah, though, and some of the kids, they're hell bent on finding Tomorrow Neverland, and they start to leave. They just want to go find, go go out and search for it and find it. Yeah. Uh. So Max, he doesn't want her to go, and he punches her out. Weird. This caught me by surprise. Me too. First, he was shooting at her, which I guess he was just trying to scare her. But then he punched her. He punched her right out. Yeah. And I don't know why they even did this, because she just waits until nighttime when he's sleeping and just like sneaks out at nighttime. Yeah, true. It's very weird. I think they were just trying to show like how gritty the world is, but it didn't come across as gritty. It just came across as like weird. It weird. Yeah, it was weird. But Max has to go after her. Um he takes three kids with him and a bunch of water and heads towards Bartertown because he says that's where Savannah will likely end up. Right. But I don't know why. Like, why would she end up there? It's a st- I think because it's, it's the only thing in the desert. Like, yeah, but I the think desert's it's like, a, a huge place. And, and you've already said they've gone out before looking for stuff and found nothing. No, I actually, honestly, I don't think that he thought she was going to end up at Bartertown. I think they just followed their tracks. And when they caught up to them, they were too far out that they couldn't go back. They would die. But if they went forward to Bartertown, that, that, then they could live. I think that's what happened. I think they just got, they were just following their tracks and got so far out that they couldn't go back. Oh, okay. I thought he was, I thought he made some com- comment about them They'll find Barter Town, and if they do, he may have. and when they yeah. do, they're going to be in deep shit. So he went out. Right, that's why he yeah. went after them, because yeah. he wouldn't care otherwise. Because he just punched her out the night before. Yeah, so he yeah. Did, he clearly yeah. doesn't really care about her, but uh, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's all good. I thought, yeah, I thought they just continued on because that's the only place they could go because they were so far out. But I, I definitely could have missed some dialogue. Well, yeah, we'll just chalk it up to you know, some holes in the movie, but it's it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Hey, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. I like it. Now Max catches up with them, catches up with Savannah Nix, and yeah. they all, all go to Buttertown together where Max is looking for Master. Um, he wants to kind of, wants to team up with Master. And Master's now being treated very poorly now that Blaster's gone. And yeah, is probably going to be pretty interested in being rescued or teamed up with, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. else. So Max and the kids are able to free master and they take master with them when they leave. And auntie is super pissed about that. She needs master for the underworld and the methane and all that. And she takes all her men out after Max. Yeah. And while I, I was like a, I guess I was, my interest was dropping a bit when we were doing like the infiltration of Barter Town to Definitely. get Master out. 
But then as soon as everyone takes off in their doom buggies and their land vehicles, I'm like, okay, I'm back in because this is Mad Max. We're going to do a desert road chase. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be so many stunts and cool things happening. So it did rope me right back in as soon as everyone hit hit in their vehicles. They hit the sand. Me too. And then the big chase scene wasn't all that good. It wasn't great, but like it wasn't bad. It wasn't for me. It wasn't bad. It's not it's no. It's no Road Warrior, which, like, takes place over so much time and so much length and has amazing shots. Like, it definitely, I, I don't think the effort was put into it as it was in the other movies, but I, it was still fine for me. I had trouble buying that Max and all these kids stand any chance against a bunch of grown-ups chasing them down. Like, if maybe some of the kids didn't make it, uh, that might have been a bit more believable, but... None of the kids were killed. None of the good guys were killed. That doesn't track with Mad Max with me. Like, yeah. how how, do, how does like a entourage of auntie and eight or ten vehicles shooting guns and arrows and stuff like that? How does not one of the kids get hit? Or how how do none of the good guys go down? That's that's more you know the grit that I'm talking about. Yeah, some kids needed to drop here. It sounds terrible, but this movie needed some kids to drop to up the stakes and I, that probably probably would have made it rated R which is kind yeah. of what I wanted this movie to have that would have just impacted me more if if that's what they were going for yeah they did they did have the bigger rig so like everyone was in little doom buggies and they were in this big train truck like something that was actually used as housing or something <laughs> like it was it was not used to drive and they stole it out of barter town um so i think that them having a big rig was a lot of their protection um so that like a lot of the kids didn't have to get involved in what was going on um but i agree it was like it was kind of all too easy for them to to defeat everybody and get out of there yeah i mean i guess i guess max kind of like i guess we'll get to it but max kind of takes a loss here max loses um by letting everyone else win yeah, sure. Yeah. But he does I mean he then, still then, doesn't then lose. he doesn't even yeah. take a loss. Yeah, it's fine, yeah. So I thought it was a fun moment where Max and the kids, you know, in their escape route here, they run into the pilot's kid who yeah. leads them to the pilot. Very funny interaction there. Yeah. Um w- with the two of them. Like the the kids like, you know we've got company. We got to get out of here. Come on, right. we're going. We got to get out of here. And the pilot's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. And then the kid's like, okay, see you later. I'm taking off. Like this yeah. little kid <laughs> so who's good. like eight years yeah. old wants to take off on the pilot because he, gonna... he knows more about when there's danger. Like when danger's coming, yeah. he knows better than the pilot of when to go. And the pilot's like, we're okay. Take... The kid's like, fuck you. I'm out of here. And he takes off. And then the pilot realizes like, oh shit, we are in trouble. We need to get There's out of here. Trouble. And the kid's already yeah. gone. He's like, yeah, I told you that. I told you that 10 seconds ago. That it's was, so funny. That was very it's funny. so funny that the eight-year-old knows more about the situation than the 45-year-old and like yeah. he won't listen to him. It's so good. Yeah. That's why I like this kid. He's more capable yeah, totally. than the pilot, but they didn't use him. They could have used him in so many different situations. This kid Agreed. could have been spying on the kids who wanted to go to yeah. um, Tomorrow Neverland or whatever. Like they Tomorrow could, Moral they, World. Tomorrow Moral World. The pilot's kid in my opinion, could have carried this movie. He could have been one of the main characters yeah. uh, if he was written better because he was so captivating and so much fun to watch and funny when he was on screen and wild and savage. He was 
What yeah. are, I don't know who that kid actor was, but he did a great job. He was good, yeah. Especially in a movie that's filled with kids, he could have had much, uh, much yeah. bigger oh, yeah. role. Because obviously they didn't have a problem like giving big roles to kids. Like the, the movie was filled with them. Yeah. So all the kids, they jump on the pilot's plane. They've all caught up to the pilot here. They jump on his plane. Max jumps into a truck to clear a path for the plane to take off. So he like cool. smashes through Auntie's men so that they have a, uh, you know, a strip to take off on. Yeah. And they take off. Everyone's safe except Max. Auntie catches Max. She seems to like him, though, and says, goodbye, soldier, and leaves Max alone. Yeah, she likes him. I don't mind it. I don't mind it, but at the same time, yeah. you know, it, it, it weakens that whole chase scene because Max really isn't running from anything because Auntie's not going to kill him anyways. Well, she's going to kill him if she has a chance to get Master. But Master's gone now. Master's on the plane. Like, she wants Master. That's all she wants out of it because that's who they that's who they stole. Um, yeah. So now that it's like he's gone, she's just like, whatever. Like, you won. Good job. She's like honor among thieves kind of thing. Like, she just appreciates no, what no. he did. Like, I like yeah. that. I like, I, I like yeah. that they let him live. Um, they could have imprisoned him or... You know, whatever, taking him back. Yeah, to they Barter just completely Town. let him go. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I, I I liked it. It was it was honorable. It fit with her character. Yeah. That's that's what I liked about yeah. her character is that they made yeah. her, you know, a bit more sympathetic, and it worked. And I know that she let him live because she wants to use him in the future. That's her plan for it's sure. Like I can yeah. use this guy. He's a great soldier. That's why she says like, she says uh, goodbye, soldier. Right. Like she can use him for other things in the future. So, yeah. And and like he's the best hand to hand fighter she's seen, really. So, yeah, that's what she she might need that in the future. And she's so powerful that she'll find a way to get it. She'll find a way to manipulate him in her her mind. Like that's her favorite now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She spared his life. Yeah. So the pilot flies to Sydney, Australia to show the kids that these the cities that they think exist have in fact all been destroyed. Devastating. They all decide to move back into the cities anyways. I thought that was cool. That was a cool idea. That's a great way to rebuild. Like just just move back into the cities. Like you can rebuild. Right. I I like that. Totally. Yeah. We see Savannah telling the story, this whole story to a group of um, like kids and adults, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are, are we supposed to think that these are the kids, and now they're like more grown up? Did you get the feeling that time was supposed to pass, or was it just like maybe a couple days after? No, I got the feeling that time had passed, like um, like like ten years even, or uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I think I think some of those. Uh, some of those kids that we knew before, I feel like had like babies now, you know, and we didn't know that they had babies before. So I think it was supposed to be a lot of time had passed. That's what I kind of thought too. I, th- yeah. I thought that was what they were trying to get across, but they didn't do a good job of getting that across because of Savannah herself looked the same age, but then, all the kids looked the same age and young, but I, f- I had that feeling. Yeah, that it was I feel like they, older, what they yeah. wanted us to know is that this is many years later and they're still living in this city. Things are going good. Um, yeah. Yeah, then they say that they'll leave a light on for Max. Yeah. And the end. 
cool. I like the idea that it's the kids who didn't know what happened to the world who have this dream of getting back to the city who are like, let's live in the city. You know, because it's like all of us, all of all the adults and everyone who saw what happened are like, leave the cities behind because that's the old life, you know, and that got destroyed and I'm devastated it got destroyed. But these kids still have this dream of living in the city. So that's what gets you to go back in and rebuild. I, I think it's a, I think it is a cool idea of how to like, get started again in the cities, you know, kind of get things going again. Why not just live in them? It's the idea of the kids who didn't even know what happened. It happened. Uh, I do like that. I like the kind of happy ending here, but uh, it's just weird. It's a weird movie. It doesn't feel totally, totally like it's the other two. Yeah. I think there's so many cool ideas in this movie. Um, I also think there's so many cool ideas that were missed. Um, Yeah. I I feel like this is a movie that maybe I could have written. Like that's not really all that tight. It's full of really interesting ideas, but they're not like, they're not going in any one direction. They're going in a whole bunch of different directions. Right. Yeah. Not as tight, not as put together. Yeah. I feel like there might be a couple movies within this one movie, but all of that adds to its weirdness and yeah, it's really fun. Um, it's it's like endearing qualities. Like it's just it's yeah. something you don't see every day. And I don't know. I don't like there's I don't think it's a bad movie. At, at first I thought it was a bad movie. I was not happy. Yeah. But then when I thought about it and I realized how much is actually in here, I I think I thought it was bad for a lack of of things and then when I mm. thought about it, I I realized it had an abundance of things. It had too many yeah. things. And yeah, that's right, what yeah. that's what didn't work for me was there were too many yeah. ideas in here that weren't really f- like fleshed out all that well. So yeah. I'm going to give it credit for like all of the great stuff it had in there. Um, totally. Even though it wasn't refined quite as well as it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I've been saying this whole time it's really weird. Um, that's not really me saying I don't like it. I like weird stuff. Uh, it just doesn't really yeah. fit with the tone of the other two. But I uh, think on it very fondly. I really enjoyed watching it. I will like when I watch it again, you know, if it's on, like I said, if it's on TV, I'm definitely going to watch it. If I watch through the franchise again, no way I'm skipping it. Like I I just really liked it, really had a good time with it. It's a fun one, even though it's a little bit out, you know, it's it's a little bit of a one that's not quite following the path that one and two line up where like two, I can see is like, takes ideas from one and builds on them and then this is just kind of like a total swerve you know just it builds on them in ways it builds the world out but the the whole movie is just way different than the other two uh but yeah i i had a great time i liked it a lot cool well everyone listening if you'd like to receive exclusive episodes from us please head over to patreon.com slash talking back podcast and become a patron at one of our three levels If you toss us a few bucks a month, in return, we'll toss you a few more episodes. What a great deal. It's a great, Dean, it's a great symbiotic relationship. And together, we can become more like Master Blaster with our patrons. Awesome. Are we Master or Blaster? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Together, Together we are one. On our own, we are one. On our own, we will die in this world. But together... We will rule the world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We need you to join Patreon. Yes. So that we don't die. 
Right. <laughs> so we can rule the world together. <laughs> yeah. Great. And hey, now that this episode's done, you don't need to suffer for another week, everybody. Just head on over to the bfopnetwork.com website and check out one of the other amazing podcasts in our nostalgia-themed network. We promise you, you'll find something you like. Dean, thanks for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back, where you can make a one-time donation of any amount. Or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.